Welcome to a new edition of Heartland History, the podcast of the Midwestern History Association. I'm your host, John Lauk. Our show is produced by Dana Brown. Today we are joined by Dr. Harry Thompson, the Executive Director of the Center for Western Studies at Augustana University in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Harry Thompson has been at the center for many years, and he is about to host the annual Dakota Conference, a history conference focused on the history of the Northern Plains. Welcome to the show, Harry. Well, thank you, John. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Appreciate you taking the time, Harry. I know it's a very busy week. Uh, You have the Dakota Conference uh, beginning tomorrow, which is April 21st. Can you tell us about the conference and how it came into being? Right, I'd be happy to, John. Uh, The Dakota Conference um, has as its uh, origins um, a uh, historical and uh, cultural context for what we call the Northern Plains, South Dakota and the Northern Plains. And and uh, we define that area as uh, the contiguous states with South Dakota in the center. So, uh, you know, an eight-state region, uh, not every section of every state, uh, we tend to keep uh, away from central and eastern Minnesota and Iowa, for example, and kind of focus on the uh, western sides of those states. And then on the west, we tend to focus on the eastern plains side rather than the mountain uh, sections of Montana and Wyoming. So uh, we're looking at the what I like to call the Missouri River Basin region before it em- empties into the Mississippi River. That's kind of our our area. And the Center for Western Studies was uh, founded in 1964 by a professor of English here at Augustana, Herbert Krauss. And then it was um, recognized, officially recognized by the university, by its board of trustees, uh, six years later. So we tend to use that date, 1970, as our uh, celebratory uh, date of origin, although we do date back or, or uh, can claim the six uh, preceding years. Well, Harry, can you um, tell us uh, about this year's conference and what the theme is? Yes. Uh, this year's conference, the uh, Dakota Conference, is one of our public affairs uh, programs along with uh, what we call the Bow Forum on public affairs, the Dakota Conference uh, chooses as its uh, specific area what I just mentioned, uh, topics that relate uh, to the Northern Plains region, whereas the uh, Bow Forum uh, looks at um, topics that are national and international in scope, but that relate to the people or that the people from this region are interested in. So. With this year's Dakota Conference, we are looking at the uh, religion and spirituality on the Northern Plains, and we're observing or taking as the occasion for this year's conference the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. The Reformation is uh, an important uh, historical event to an institution like Augustana because it is historically a Lutheran institution and even to this day is affiliated 
with the Lutheran Church. Uh, and the concept of the Reformation, uh, though we take in a very broad sense, um, and we like to point out to folks that uh, last year in October, uh, Pope Francis uh, went to Sweden and uh, began a year of observance uh, uh, of the Reformation, uh, a year of renewal, and we're right in the middle of that right now, as a matter of fact, and that will end in, uh, in, in at the end of uh, October this uh, this coming fall. So um, we're using this opportunity of this year of uh, non-sectarian, uh, ecumenistic uh, view of uh, religion and spirituality, and and uh, because of where we're located, and because it is one of our areas of focus, um, the uh, Plains Indian. Uh, expressions of spirituality of our great interest to us as well and we will have a number of uh, different uh, presentations that relate in one way or another we have uh, Lakota speakers uh, here talking about um, religion and spirituality from their perspective their cultural perspective so um, the conference is um, a great opportunity uh, for the gathering of both scholars and also what we call the amateur historian or the amateur scholar, the person who might be the world's um, recognized uh, expert on a particular field, but may not be actually teaching uh, in a uh, in a formal uh, setting or at a university uh, campus. Uh, for example, we will have uh, judges and attorneys and medical doctors and uh, administrators and uh, students, graduate students, undergraduate students, as well as the um, scholar who's uh, teaching classes on a regular basis or the uh, or an archivist or a librarian. So um, the, the conference draws widely and attendance usually runs somewhere between 225 and, and 250 over those over those two days. Uh, so the theme this year is um, one that we're excited about. Uh, I've been amazed at the range of topics uh, or, or various dimensions of the topic that um, people have proposed and we have accepted. And we have uh, speakers coming from eight different states uh, this year uh, to address various aspects of religion and spirituality on the Northern Plains. It is a wonderful conference, uh, the Dakota Conference at Augustana University, which begins on April 21st, is what we're talking about. I take a particular interest in it for a couple of reasons. Uh, as Harry mentioned, uh, there are a lot of graduate students who cut their teeth at the conference, and I know way back in the day when I was in graduate school, uh, I gave a couple of papers there and received from some uh, great feedback, and it was very helpful to me, and I know it's been very helpful to uh, many other younger historians. I'm also interested in it because uh, a long time ago, this conference was located in Madison, South Dakota, which is my hometown, and it was um, saved, I would say, 
by Augustana University and the Center for Western Studies. Could you tell our audience about that transition, Harry? Yes, uh, the conference was established at uh, Dakota State uh, in Madison, South Dakota in 1969. And uh, the found, what was interesting about uh, that, and I had the, uh, the actual founder um, uh, describe to me uh, what, what happened there. Uh, he said that his dean uh, came to him one day and he said, you know, we need to uh, bring people from the community onto campus. And uh, uh, he was teaching in the business department, and so he saw this as a uh, uh, possible economic uh, boost uh, for his uh, department and his institution. And um, uh, so we kind of got started for very practical uh, reasons. And then it uh, morphed uh, rather quickly into uh, more focused on the, uh, uh, as a history conference and uh, it remained on the campus of uh, Dakota State until 1989, uh, when um, the uh, institution changed its uh, academic its uh, uh, focus kind of away from the traditional teacher preparation liberal arts institution to a computer uh, uh, focus, especially in in those days in the late 1980s, people were majoring, or it seemed as though people wanted to major in computer uh, technology, um, and and so there was a, a tremendous move on the part of the administration away from the liberal arts. And they didn't really have any um, interest in maintaining the conference. So um, I actually happened to be the interim director of the Center for Western Studies at that time, and the incoming director and I went up to uh, to Madison and uh, made a uh, proposal uh, with one uh, proviso, and that was that uh, since we didn't have the funds to, we were trying to survive ourselves, uh, didn't have the funds to run a whole conference, um, we also said to uh, members of the South Dakota Humanities Council who were present, uh, would you at least be willing to uh, consider uh, a grant, uh, grant support on an annual basis, uh, although no guarantee, they'd have to be written every year, but would you be willing to look at that as a, as a long-term uh, commitment? And we were told yes, uh, again, no guarantee, but we, uh, we then agreed to do it, so in 1990, that was the very beginning of uh, the transition of the Dakota Conference from Madison, South Dakota at Dakota State to Augustana uh, College at that time, later university, and but always under the administration of the Center for Western Studies and, uh, and, and, a, and a real partnership with the South Dakota Humanities uh, Council. And it's been uh, going well um, ever since, uh, probably in terms of its focus a little bit uh, more broad than uh, just history. Um, we have uh, pre many presentations on literary topics or religious topics as we uh, are going to do this year, um, archaeology, anthropology, even art, um, but always with a a uh, context that relates to the historical 
uh, origins of a, a phenomenon or, and, and its cultural or, uh, origins as well. Harry, uh, you mentioned that the Center for Western Studies was first launched in 1964 by Herbert Krauss. Could you tell our audience about Herbert Krauss and uh, his uh, upbringing in Minnesota and his coming to Augustana and the kind of books that he used to write? Well, um, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, a short version to that uh, question because Herbert Krauss was a true Renaissance man. And although I never did get to uh, meet him, he had passed away by the time I began my work at the Center for Western Studies, but I have looked at his papers and I've read his, uh, almost everything he's written. And uh, he had this wonderful combination of, uh, a, a, of, of the traditional training in literature and someone quite capable uh, and enthusiastic in the teaching of Shakespeare, for example. He taught the Shakespeare seminar here at Augustana for, for many, many years. And the story always was that he would come to class with a stack of books, uh, with uh, slips of paper, at all the different passages that he was going to lecture on that day. And he would uh, put those on the desk and he'd sit behind the, the pile of books are off to the side and then as he proceeded through his lecture he would pull off a book and then read uh, the uh, the passage that he uh, intended for the class that day to, um, to pay attention to so uh, and yet he had this um, passion for the region for um, uh, the uh, central area of Minnesota which gave birth to him as a, an individual and as a writer, beginning as a poet, uh, always with an inclination toward nature, um, but a very observant um, individual and sensitive to the environment in which he happened to be. And then um, he, uh, he was at the Iowa uh, Writers uh, School, uh, where he was, uh, he hoped to finish his, uh, his doctorate um, when he got a call from the president of Augustana inviting him to come in and uh, start a regional writing program at Augustana here in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And Sioux Falls is 15 miles over the border of Minnesota. Uh, you can get to Minnesota and Iowa from Sioux Falls in just a matter of a few minutes. So we're kind of in a three-state area uh so we're not too far into uh into south dakota but um for kraus this was a, a an opportunity for him to begin what i like to refer to his his uh, movement toward the west uh so coming from uh the central part of central uh minnesota um with an environmental consciousness that was uh, blossoming uh, off to one of the great writing schools in the country and then landing just over the border into South Dakota where he uh, saw before him and as his career uh, uh, matured wound up pretty much uh, in love with the western part of South Dakota, the Badlands and the Black Hills and uh, moved from poetry into his novels uh, 
and his three novels uh, in particular, Wind Without Rain, his very first novel in the 1940s, uh, early 1940s, um, The Thresher, 1946, and then The Axe Cart Trail uh, in the 1950s. And, and he left the writing of novels to focus on essays, and particularly ornithological essays. And uh, in fact, one of our book publications is a collection of, of all of his writings on ornithology. It's a 200, 220 page book. Uh, so you have a sense of his, uh, the scope of his ornithological writings. And he was one of the founders of the South Dakota Ornithologist Union. And, um, was considered by scientific ornithologists one of the most accomplished amateur ornithologists in the country. Studied at Cornell at the uh, birding school there uh, in the summer and uh, again, a, a true renaissance individual from Shakespeare to ornithology from uh, uh, central Minnesota to the Black Hills. A really interesting individual. So when the president of Augustana College then uh, wanted to find someone to begin a writing program at Augustana College, he hired Herbert Krauss, who was down at the what would become the Iowa Writers Workshop in Iowa City. And when Herbert Krauss uh, then came to Augustana, uh, was the Center for Western Studies the result of what that Augustana president wanted, or was that a separate entity? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, it's almost as though the Center for Western Studies um, came about as a um, an idea more for writing grants uh, than necessarily the outgrowth of this writing uh, focus as, as far as anyone who lived during that time has been able to uh, put down in writing that I've uh, looked at and from my own understanding of the period of time and talking to people who were here if not all those years from oh the late 1930s when Krauss came to uh, the 1960s when uh, the center came into existence but he um, because he was a writer he really wanted to have a place where um, he could uh, find the information that he needed without uh, a lot of uh, uh, travel he, he wanted to have his own uh, research library and in fact his personal library of about 10,000 volumes uh, became the core for the Center for Western Studies' own research library, which is about 40,000 volumes now. And um, his, his goal was to have in one place the materials that he needed as a writer, originally to write the novels, but then uh, for the essays. So the, uh, uh, the impetus, in a way, for the Center for Western Studies back there in the um, mid 1960s was to combine his interest in writing about this region with some grant funds and one of his first uh, successful grants was to the Rockefeller Foundation for a, um, a project called Changing Social Patterns on the Lingering Frontier 
where he and the English department and a professor in the history department uh, went out uh, to the uh, well, it's not quite the western part of the state to the to the eastern side of the Missouri River, and then um, in in uh, uh, Tripp County, I think it was, and then Lyman County on just on the opposite side of the Missouri River, and interview people about um, technology, about newspapers, about um, what their own feelings were about uh, having come, or members of their family having come a generation or two generations before in onto the frontier, and what their memories of all of that are. So that was um, kind of the uh, uh, an opportunity to write a grant. And at that time, the center was called the Center of Western Studies. The preposition was changed in later years to four. But uh, yeah, so I'm sure in his mind, there was a connection, very much so. One other figure I wanted to ask you about, Harry, uh, from this era, and I'm guessing it was somebody close to Herbert Krauss, is Frederick Manfred, who I remember meeting at one of the very first um, conferences, Dakota conferences, hosted by the Center for Western Studies. That must have been in the early 90s sometime. But uh, you mentioned that Sioux Falls and Augustana University is very close to the uh, intersection of Minnesota and Iowa, where which uh, is where Frederick Manfred came from. But did he have a lot of connections to the center and to Herbert Krauss? Do you know? Yeah, they um, they knew each other. They appreciated each other's uh, writing and concern for um, this part of the country, the Midwest, Great Plains, uh, Nexus, being overlooked by the Eastern establishment, which, uh, you know, is a, is a, a complaint, you might say, that a lot of writers from any other area than uh, the Eastern Seaboard or, in later years, the West Coast, uh, certainly do uh, make it's a it's not an uncommon complaint, but you certainly do see it more in in Fred Manfred's um, letters, and and certainly he would mention it in conversation that the people back east just never really appreciate the the land here and the people here and the work that a writer does to um, investigate uh, those lives and the way they relate uh, to the land. So they knew each other. Um, there's a great photograph of Krauss coming uh, down to a bookshop here in Sioux Falls, uh, where Manfred was uh, signing copies of one of his uh, novels. This is the year, and so it's uh, it's one we use in our museum exhibits and in our publications as well. It's a great photograph of the two of them. Uh, obviously. Um, Writers uh, in, in in suits and ties of the period, the, I think maybe the early 1950s, uh, they they fed on each other. Krauss and Manfred fed on each other for ideas, and uh, Manfred eventually did wind up uh, doing some visiting uh, teaching here at Augustana. He was on the uh, the National Advisory Council of the Center for Western Studies. And the center has a small academic press, and we did publish uh, some of a collection of Fred's um, 
essays and uh, some of his original work over the years. Um, so we've had a great relationship with Fred Manford and when Fred passed away, he donated his uh, personal library uh, to the Center for Western Studies and in the intervening years had also given us some of his papers. So we, we have some of Fred Manford's papers, but the real collection of Fred Manford's uh, papers is at the University of Minnesota. You are listening to Heartland History, the podcast of the Midwestern History Association. Today we are visiting with Dr. Harry Thompson, the executive director of the Center for Western Studies at Augustana University, which is hosting this week of April 20th, the Dakota Conference on the campus of Augustana University. Uh, Harry, you mentioned uh, that you have a press associated with the Center for Western Studies. Can you tell us about some of the books you have published and some of the books you have forthcoming? Yes, uh, the Center for Western Studies um, is uh, blessed, I would say, with the ability to produce uh, research um, in publication form. We are also an archive and, and I mentioned before, a research library. Uh, so it, it is fortunate that we can um, take the next step after research, and that is uh, through traditional methods of, of publication. And we bring out a, a, a new book, uh, either a monograph or a collection of essays, oh, about every 18 months or so. Uh, we began in 1978. Um, we uh, have among our publications uh, a, a history of the state of South Dakota, uh, geography of the state of South Dakota, uh, titles that relate uh, to uh, some of our, uh, that have been written by some of our faculty. We have a more recent uh, publication by uh, one of our business faculty members, uh, Robert Wright, called Little How uh, Business on the Prairie. And it is a, um, uh, an attempt on his part to demonstrate uh, the entrepreneurial spirit that he found that someone coming from New York State and in particular the Stearns uh, School of Business at New York University coming uh, here to Augustana to teach business history and finding this uh, incredible uh, entrepreneurial spirit uh, not only in, in perhaps the 19th century, which wouldn't be too surprising, and then into the 20th, but also back in uh, the Plains Indian culture. So his very first chapter is about um, the entrepreneurial spirit 10,000 years ago. So that we're very, very pleased to, to be able to produce uh, that, that level of uh, research uh, by a, a well-published uh, scholar, uh, but with a real focus on, uh, on this particular region. Uh, we um, have a book that came out last year called Outlaw Dakota. Uh, kind of a Western flair to it, but what it's about is the um, development of the judiciary in Dakota Territory in the 1860s and then particularly the 1870s under the Supreme Court uh, Justice, the Territorial Supreme Court Justice Peter Shannon from Pennsylvania. And the author there is Wayne Fanabust. Uh, that book 
uh, it has done very, very well. Uh, it's become a bit of a popular, popular title, uh, you might say. You know, anytime an academic press can bring out a popular book, that's a, that's a unique accomplishment. And then um, a, a title that's coming out um, uh, just in a few weeks is a collection of essays on the theme of conservation here in the Northern Plains. And this will be uh, from about central Minnesota all the way to Montana. Uh, we will have uh, this book uh, pretty soon from the printer and uh, see about uh, 10 contributors, 11 essays, and uh, Dennis Anderson, who is the um, outdoors editor for the Minneapolis uh, Star Tribune, uh, it has written the uh, foreword to that. So it's um, contemporary. And with that, as a matter of fact, we're launching a new uh, series called the Public Affairs Series. And uh, that will lead on to a, uh, a, a book that uh, you know something about, John, and that's uh, the second volume in our public affairs series called The Interior Borderlands. Yes. Which we're very much looking forward to. John, you might want to even, you're, you're on top of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, sh I should say that uh, the Center for Western Studies uh, puts out a number of wonderful books, and I urge our listeners to check them out. Uh, the book that Harry refers to is a book that we have been working on for a couple of years, I guess, Harry. And uh, that is a book of essays about uh, this transition zone from the American Midwest to the Great Plains. And where is that transition zone? What does it amount to? How... Um, how obvious is the transition? How stark is the line? Um, what are the subtleties uh, of that line? And um, I think we have settled on the concept of an interior borderlands, a kind of twist on the old uh, idea uh, developed uh, many, many years ago by Herbert uh, Bolton um, about the borderlands of the Southwest. Uh, but we you know, there are lots of regions in this country and divisions between the regions, and we've settled on trying to explore this uh, line, real and imagined, uh, between the Midwest and Great Plains. And the Center for Western Studies has been uh, wonderfully supportive of this effort, and we have a, a great cast of characters weighing in on this question. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting that book out uh, down the line and uh, want to thank the Center for Western Studies for all they've done on that and um, it's it's uh, a credit to Harry for putting up with me for the last couple of years as we pulled this book together Oh no uh, quite the contrary I uh, want to thank you John for uh, corralling uh, a wonderful uh, collection of uh, contributors well over 20 now and uh, it looks like it's uh, really going to be uh, a wonderful contribution to this, what I always find this fascinating debate on where in the world are we, really? You know, this, uh, <laughs> you know, this middle border uh, area um, is, is uh, perplexing in many ways, and it, it keeps uh, changing. 
the borderline itself keeps changing and the debate about it keeps changing and that's a, that's a good thing for regional studies to have that kind of vitality that uh, people care enough to define and redefine and argue and debate over so no thank you I should I, we should say or we should point out that uh, a couple of years ago at the Dakota conference at the Center for Western Studies we had a panel discussion involving five or six scholars in the field uh, entitled "Where Does the Midwest End and Where Does the Great Plains Begin?" and that was really the starting point for this book um, and I think several of those folks who participated in that original panel are going to be part of the book. So, Yeah, that's right. That's right. Absolutely. We, you have been listening to Heartland History, the podcast of the Midwestern History Association. We have been visiting today with Dr. Harry S. Thompson, the director of the Center for Western Studies at Augustana University. Uh, Harry is hosting this week the Dakota Conference on the campus of Augustana University. I urge all of our listeners to uh, check out the conference and maybe drive on over and take in some of the uh, presentations and lectures. I'm John Lauk, the host of Heartland History. Our show is produced by Dana Brown. Once again, Dr. Thompson, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, John. Thank you again for tuning in to Heartland History. If you would like more information about the Midwestern History Association, visit us at midwesternhistory.com. You'll have access to information about memberships, news about upcoming conferences, calls for papers, and panel proposals related to Midwestern history. You might also be interested in subscribing to the print journal Middle West Review or reading our online journal Studies in Midwestern History. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook. Until next time.